Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. I'm Connor. I'm here with Mike and you're joining us for the second in a, a multi-part series about church membership right now. So thanks for tuning back in this week. Uh, today we want to talk about uh, and really open up the question, is church membership biblical? So Mike and I are going to walk through that question and try to give a, a answer that will maybe support your understanding of church membership being biblical or convince you even if you're not uh, there yet. Mike, let me open it up with a question to you. And I I wanted to ask you this after we recorded last week's episode. Um, Before we actually say, hey, you know, here's why church membership is biblical. Why or or what uh, what reasons would you say you've seen for people who in, in people who are resistant to the idea of church membership? Why people resist church membership? Yeah, why 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 would people come to you and say, "Hey, you're making too much of a big deal about this," or "Hey, this isn't that important"? What are the reasons that that you've seen kind of contribute to that mindset? Mm-hmm. I've seen three primary reasons, and these are off the top of my head, but I know that there's three. So, first, people have been taught in churches that don't have membership that that's the right way, quote unquote, the right way. Where I would I would beg to differ and say no, that's actually a stunted way of viewing the church, and the, um, that many churches don't have formal church memberships, so the elders don't even know who they're leading at times, and or maybe they don't even have you know biblical elders, and so I think a lot of times it's because of the church tradition that someone has has come up in, and they were just told that, and so they they assumed that that is the way it is. I think secondly. People have then a, a haziness or a, a fog on, is it biblical? They were taught one thing, so they assume that it's not biblical. Therefore, they don't, they, they don't go look in the Bible for it. It's kind of like when you, when you get a certain car. Like I drive a 2005 Toyota Tundra double cab. You drive a 2005 Ford Ranger, Ranger, Ford Ranger access cab. Right. And uh, I know my trucks. And the thing is... When you have that truck, you see that truck on on the road. If you don't own that truck, you never notice it, really, unless unless it hits you. Um, so I think that that the idea of, of some people are brought up in that tradition, but secondly, then they assume it's not biblical, and I think that's a that's a da- there's a big danger there, and it stunts people's ecclesiology, you mm-hmm. know, their view of the church and how it functions. And I think a third reason would be there is a resistance at times to go with what a certain church has laid out as, hey, we have freedom. This is the way we do it. And people are like, you know, I don't want to jump through hoops. Yeah. I don't want to, I, yeah. you know. And so I think those, those are the three primary resistances I have found over the years from people. Okay. I can't really think of many more. I mean, if someone's not a believer, right. then that's a yeah. moot point, right? I, I would say I, this is maybe a younger generation that I've seen with this mindset and I haven't even seen it personally a ton but I can imagine not at grace at least but out there people who are younger you know at least the kind of younger generations generally are less pro-institution than maybe you know people of a previous generation and so the idea of committing myself to quote an institution the church is like really abrasive to people and and I think that um yeah I don't know I think that's out there as well or it's, it's yeah. too formal it's not organic enough it's not life on life you know it's too uh structured yeah. those kinds of ideas I'm going to believe you but I'm laughing right now because I have said this here's what I here's the funny thing is I've said the exact opposite and I'll tell you why so I was born in 1962 I'm 60 years old you were born in 
1997. And you are? How many years How many years do you on? have? Uh, I have 25 years. You have 25 years. <laughs> so here's the thing. I won't I, ask you. The, I won't ask you that second part of the question. I did already. I said oh. I have sixty. Oh, I didn't oh, I hear you. Said oh, it. sorry. No. <laughs> sixty. Yeah, I know. My kids tell me all the time, "You're old." Dad. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. So I am. I'm what's called uh, at the tail end of the baby boom. Like we aren't even me and and the guy and the guys and gals that are my age. We're not even counted really. Almost in the baby boom generation. And what's happened is we have found that that generation, the baby boom generation, defined everything around itself, okay? And that, you know, it's, it's a wide swath of generation. Mm. I think it's, I don't know how long, how big is the baby boom, but it was like 30, 40 years. I don't know oh, what it is. I, it, was, no it, was, it was big. I don't know what it okay. was. But it was maybe 20, 30 years. I don't know. What it, whatever it is, you should Google it real quick um, so I don't look like a total fool here. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found was that the generation right before me that were still baby boomers, but you know, people that were 10, 15, 20 years older than me were some of those anti-establishment type of people. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. So, okay. so, Maybe so this is where I'm going. Yeah. So a lot of churches that were started like in the, in the seventies, early eighties, some of these independent churches didn't have memberships because they're, they, they were the kids that grew up, you know, kind of yeah. in the anti-establishment sixties right. okay. and stuff. And it was like, I found, and, and I've said this, I have actually said that younger generations are more open to church membership than some of the older generations. Interesting. Because of that, and that they want to, one of the things that, you know, I don't like labeling all the generations, but, you know, when it was, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever, you know, whatever the next one is, that one of the, one of the hallmarks of some of the younger generations was they want to join. Hmm. They want to be a part. Hmm. And what we've noticed is, the majority of people joining Grace Church of Orange younger. are in younger generations. Yeah. Okay, okay. Now, I'm not saying that we might be a, a unicorn. We might be an outlier. We do have youth ministries that are very solid biblically and that stress church membership very well. Yeah. And that could be a part of I, it. I wonder, I think it's probably true. You, you would know better than me. It feels almost like there's been a recovery of the importance of church membership in healthy churches in the last, like, what would you say, 20, 30 years? Yeah, you know, Mark Dever's group, uh, yeah. the Nine Marks group, yeah. They what Marks of a Healthy Church member and things right. like that. Super Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. Yep. That has helped. And I yeah. do believe you're right. It's a, There's been a resurgence where before it was a given, then we went through a period where it was like, it's not essential. Mm-hmm. And you have the whole Calvary Chapel movement that had so many good things about it, but so many things that were questionable yep. and question marks. And one of those things has undermined a lot of biblical teaching is the idea of church membership and being called an elder or a deacon, like biblical things, you know? Um, so unless you're the main pastor, people will say, oh, I don't want a title, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that there's, and, and, and that, that probably sprung out of wanting to be humble and not wanting to lord it over people. Right. So a lot right. of things that people have done that inadvertently have been maybe counterproductive for the, for the health of the church weren't done for the wrong reasons initially. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total yeah. sense. Okay. Well, we should give the people what we promised. Uh, we want to talk about the question is church membership biblical. Um, yeah. What is the church? I'm going to ask you then first, what is the church? I'm going to put a capital C on it. What is the church? Okay. Capital C. We're talking about the, the universal worldwide body of Christ. And you could even say even through all time, all of the people, you know, 
who have believed in Christ, and, and I'm going to say, yeah, following his resurrection and ascension and the birth of the church age when the Spirit came Pentecost. So we're talking about people who really have the Spirit, who know the Lord, who've mm-hmm. been born again. Uh, even in this, you can make a distinction between the visible churches, which are comprised of lots of people who do know the Lord, and even mm-hmm. some people who don't know the Lord. Uh, and then the true church, the invisible church, people say, uh, that you can't really see. And then along with that, there is the local church, lowercase c. So, Mike, let me okay, ask you I'll that question. That What's the local yeah. church? I'll take that one. A community of born-again believers uh, that has qualified leadership uh, that gathers regularly for worship and edification and outreach. Um, I'd say that w- when when you think of the, the, large, the larger church, the invisible church, the true church, that it by necessity organizes and gathers in localities. And and you see this in the New Testament. Every time a church or the church is being spoken of, it is assuming a local assembly. Now, there are some pe- some churches with the name church that aren't true churches. So we have to say what's a true church? Well, it's a local a local body of believers that obey Christ that that they have preaching, teaching, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and discipline. So I'd I'd put it this way: uh, a local assembly of believers under a plurality of elders who preach and teach the word, who administer the ordinances, and who practice church discipline. Hmm. That's a true church. Mm-hmm. Now it's not a perfect church. We are going to imperfectly reflect the perfect Savior, but that's what a church is. And we think globally when we think of the church, but you live locally. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So the question comes, though, is it biblical to have church membership? How would you answer that kind of initially in a, in a larger way? Yeah, in a larger way. So I think I would say this. Probably the main objection to the idea of a formalized membership is is somebody saying, yeah, I'm for that. I like the idea of the church having you know members in the body, but... I don't see anything in the New Testament that indicates that it should be a formal, a formal, you know, process. Can't a church just kind of know who its people are and isn't that good enough? And I might acknowledge that in a certain situation, especially in a smaller church, maybe there's a healthy way to practice that. But I think that we would say uh, for most churches, the most healthy way to practice what the Bible talks about uh, in terms of church membership is to have a, a formalized process. So... I, Mike and I kind of making eyes at each other right now. We we're kind of watching this episode stretch on. Let's we stop are actually, here. yeah, we're going to yeah. bring it in for a landing right now, and then in the next episode, we're going to pick it up and walk through. I think we we might have even, nine, even nine. We have nine, nine yeah. reasons why church membership is biblical. Yeah. We'll promise that in the next episode. That's good. Okay, so we'll pick that up next week. Until then, we love you and have a wonderful week serving the Lord and loving Him and others. God bless you.